Today's daf is daf nun aleph omer aleph, page 51a. We are two lines from the bottom of, of daf nun omer days, 50b, two lines from the bottom. A fascinating, fascinating Gemara today, fascinating blot. It's going to take us on a number of different halachos. The focus of today's blot, however, is going to be on minhagim, okay? It's going to focus on different customs that people have. And if you look at the name of this parak that we just started, it's called Makayim Shenog, right? In a place where people have a custom to not work on Erev Pesach, so you're not allowed to work. We're going to get back into that. But for now, we're going to discuss different customs that people take upon themselves. And keep in mind the word Minhag, custom, backwards, is Gehenim. It's Gehenim. So keep in mind that uh, this is hinting that a Minhag is a serious thing. Minhag in Kla Yisrael is Allah. If Kla Yisrael keeps a Minhag, then that becomes a halacha, it's, it's nothing to sneeze at. However, as we're going to see very shortly, there could be some things that are a minug shtus, right? It could be a minug, it could be a custom that people have taken upon themselves, which is due to a complete lack of knowledge, it's due to ignorance, then that minug does not need to be reckoned with, okay? So let's go. We're going to discuss different minhagim that people have, and, and we're going to handle as to whether they should be taken seriously or not. Zokt the Gemara, Bnei Chuzai, the people of Chuzai, they had a minhag to separate chala from rice dough. Now keep in mind, rice is not one of the chameshus mine dagim. It's not one of the five grains. But even though it's not one of the five grains, which is chayav and chala, they still separate a chala from rice dough. Now is this a good thing or a bad thing? Right now we're thinking, oh, good, let them be machmir. Big deal. Zok de Gemara, also from later Yosef. They came and told Rabbi Yosef, the people of Chuzoi were taking challah from Raisto. Omar lohu, and he said, Nechlazar ba'apayu. That a person should go ahead, a Yisrael should go ahead, take the challah that was separated from the rice and eat it in front of their faces to show them that this ridiculous and that they should not be doing this. There's absolutely no kedusha to chala that comes from rice. So it's a minog that should not be kept up. Esve Abaye, so Abaye asked his Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef, and he says, what do you mean? This is a case of something that is really mutter, but others are nayig for iser, top of today's daf. And the is that if this, even though not everybody holds its usher, but since they hold its usher, you're not allowed to make a permitted in front of them. It's a serious minug. So what, Rebbe, why are you telling people to eat rice, challah, right in front of their faces? Amar Allah, Rebbe Yosef says, Aren't we dealing with kusayim? Who cares about kusayim? Listen to this, kusayim, my time. Why are kusayim different? Because... They think they're being so strict by taking on this minhag. Actually, it's a terrible mistake. Because, I'll preface what he's going to explain. The halacha is, if you have two batches of challah dough, you're allowed to take challah from one batch on behalf of both. Well, guess what's going to happen, says Yosef? If we allow this minhag of taking rice to continue, then if they're making rice dough and wheat dough, they're going to come to separate rice dough on behalf of the wheat dough, and that's a problem. They'll mix and match. And it's going to be a terrible toys because Midar Raisa, they're to separate dough, and they never did it. 
So therefore, they think they're being so from, in the end, they're causing an Avera. So let's read this inside. People are going to start getting confused. These people have Chazai as well. They're going to start messing up their doughs and taking rice, uh, rice challah on behalf of the wheat challah. And therefore, this is a minute. That's why I'm saying somebody should go take that rice challah and eat it in front of their faces to show them that this is not a smart minug to have. Elam Ravashi. Ravashi says, Chazinan. Ravashi says, let me tell you something. It depends. If most, of the, if most of the bread that the people of Chuzai eat are from rice, then then you got to take the minug seriously. Why? Because maybe, says Ravashi, let's talk this outside. Since they usually only have rice in their locale, if we're going to tell them not to separate challah, they're going to forget that there's a halach of challah in, in, in its entirety. Because that's all they're used to. Maybe they'll completely forget about the Tairas Challah. However, he says, let's say most of the bread that they make, taka, comes from wheat. So they're always separating Challah anyway. They're not going to forget Hochis Challah. So then I agree, then it's a mistake, taka, to separate rice though. And the Yisrael should eat it in front of their faces. Why? Lest they come to separate. Uh, they might come to make a mistake and mix and match, like Rabiel said and take rice challah on behalf of the wheat dough, which, is, uh, which would be a mistake. Period. Okay. Zakti Gemara, Gufa. Devarim amutar v'achem nagu Isser. If you have something that's really mutter, but some people have a minog to keep it usser. Okay? So some people have a minog, it's not everywhere. Talacha is, This minag has to stay. You're not allowed to be lenient about the minag in front of them where they are. You take their minag seriously. When, when in Roman, do like the Rome. When, when in Rome, do like the Roman, so to speak. Okay? But obviously in a Kaddish dick away. If Chista says we're dealing with, with Dafka over here with Kusim, like we explained earlier, that um, a person is allowed to be lenient when people are learned, but not when they're not learned. It says the Gemara, the Kuli Amalai, uh, if we're not dealing with Kusim, then all of a sudden, it's not a problem to knock it out of the water. Very interesting halacha. Hold your horses. The Gemara is going to explain very shortly what the problem is. But the Brisa says, two brothers are allowed to go without clothes on into the mikvah together. However, in Kabul, brothers are not allowed to bathe without clothes on. The story with Yehuda and Hillel, who were the sons of Rabbi Gamliel. They were in Kabul, where there was a minog to not bathe together. And they did take a bath together, even in a place where the minog was not to. Okay? Now, if you're not sure what the problem is, hold off. We'll see shortly. And people started speaking Lashon Hara about them. Look, these two brothers are bathing together. They said, we never saw such a thing. What are you talking What's the issue? Hillel, one of the brothers, went away. And he, he, he left the area of the bathing to the outer part. Because he didn't want to tell them, listen, I'm allowed to do this. Because really, this is not my minute. He didn't say that. Instead of telling them that, oh, it's not my minug, he kind of, he stopped doing what he did. He slipped away. So you see that, that uh, if you have a place where there's a set minug, 
and this is the minig that's adopted, you got to follow the rules. The Gemara says, Yaitzim, even though we're not dealing with Kusim. says the Gemara, Yaitzim bekor de kisun b'shabes. Okay? There was a, another minhag, another minhag happened, where they allowed large, loose shoes to be worn on Shabbos. Meaning, in that locale, it wasn't considered carrying, because that was, the, that was style. Okay? That, that was considered wearing. It was cool to wear shoes that were a little too big. All right? However, in Birei, they did not allow wearing these cool, loose shoes. This was, they didn't allow people to do that on Shabbos. That was their minute. It was not allowed in this particular place. What happened? I'll story with these two brothers again. They went out in Birei where it wasn't allowed wearing these cool shoes. The laws of Leimah Medina and the people of Medina, oh, look at these two guys uh, wearing these loose shoes on Shabbos. They say, well, we we're sorry, we never heard of such a thing. <laughs> we thought that this was the style, you know, that's it. So they took off their shoes and they had their non-Jewish servants carry it for them. Instead of telling them that, oh, for us it's allowed because we come from a different place. So again, you see that even though something is, is really mutter, if you're in a place where it's usher, so you follow that rule. Uh, and another story, the Yaishvin al-Sasali Nachrim B'Shabbos, the is, you're allowed to sit on the bench of a shuk vendor. That's how Rashi explains this is. The, they used to have market, right? They used to have a shuk, a marketplace. And there were chairs that the vendors would sit on. On Shabbos, if you're going for a spazir, if you're going for a walk, you're allowed to sit on those chairs. You don't need to be concerned. People think you're doing business. No, you're allowed to sit down and rest like it's a park bench. Ah, usually it's used for business during the week. Talach is really, it's allowed. However, in Akai, the minig was no. He sat down on one of these benches on Shabbos in Akai. The laws are come with Everybody started talking about it. He said, I'm sorry, never heard of such a thing. He went down onto the floor. So again, you see a third proof that if something is, if a minig is adopted, that it's not allowed, even though in halachid is allowed, you, uh, you don't nullify the minig. Says the Gemara, Why, what was the reason by kusim? that you have to follow that minhag. Because otherwise, they might forget about Tyras Rice. They might forget about, uh, I'm sorry, they might forget about Tyras Chala. And therefore, they were allowed to do this thing with rice. So too over here, the people of Medina Sayyam were not considered learned. And therefore, since they weren't considered learned, it was proper to go above and beyond and accept their minhag to be strict so that it wouldn't lead to further transgressions. Period. Now the Gemara is going to explain these interesting minhagim. Now the Gemara is going to explain these minhagim and exactly what the issues were. Zok the Gemara. It makes sense not to sit on the benches of the marketplace. Looks like the guy's doing business. And also not to wear these loose shoes on Shabbos. Because maybe the shoe's going to fall off. You might have to carry a four arms just a rabbi. My chat. But what's this whole thing of two brothers not bathing together? What's that? my time Why can't two brothers bathe together in Kabul? 
What's, where, where does that come from? Says the Gemara, a, a few very interesting halacha lemaises. Listen to this, Kedetanya, like we learned in Ebrisa. People, they used to have central bathhouses. Nowadays, we don't have central bathhouses, but this, these halachas do apply to a mikvah. The halacha is you're allowed to bathe and go to a mikvah with any other man. You're not allowed to go without clothing on in the presence of one's father. Okay? First of all, out of covet, out of respect. And second of all, since you come from the loins of your father, since we come from the loins of our fathers, it could lead a person to improper thoughts. And all the other, right, you think, oh, that, that thing over there, right, that, uh, that aver is where I come from. The people start, uh, they start with all these, they, they could start with all these types of thoughts, and all the other trans, uh, prohibitions are going to other people in mikvah also are going to be, because it could lead a person to think in this way. So a person could bathe with anybody. You're not allowed to bathe with your father, or your father-in-law, your stepfather-in-law is allowed. Your wife's father is not allowed. And your sister's husband, your brother-in-law also, you're not allowed to go to mikvah. And halakha lamaisa, somebody shows up to a mikvah, and one of these people are there going in, you're obligated to wait outside till they're done. Rabbi Yudah says, if your father needs you to help him bathe, then of course it's allowed. The same thing applies to your, your um, father-in-law. Um, I'm sorry, to your, your uh, um, means your mother's husband, okay, your stepfather. And these people, they made a gezeira in their place to have a minute that two brothers shouldn't bathe together either. Why? Because since you're not supposed to go to the mikvah with your brother-in-law, they made like a harchaka to, to make sure that people aren't going to the mikvah with sibling type of relationships. So they said even your brother shouldn't go to the mikvah. Okay, so that's where it comes from. And these brothers, Hill and Yehuda, had gone to the mikvah. They heard about this, so they slipped out. And they, uh, they separated. We learned their advice of Talmud, Rabbi. Also, a Talmud should not, should not uh, go to the bathhouse with his Rebbe. Even Rabbi Sarachlaimot, if your Rebbe needs it, it's allowed. So this is Halach Lamaisa as well. Okay, I had this a few times when I was in Eretz Yisrael. And you go to the mikvah on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yom And there were times where I saw uh, one of, I, I would see my Rebbeim. Uh, also, going in to go to the mikvah. So you wait outside the mikvah. You wait outside, you wait for your Rebbe to come out. You wish them a good Shabbos or a good Yom and then you go in. All right. Nachaminag, another minag. Ki also Rabbi Barachano. Rabbi Barachano came from Eretz Yisrael to Babel. Achil da Arsa. He ate the fat that is right on top of the stomach. That's how Rashi explains it. Okay? Now, the fat that's right on top of the stomach is completely kosher. However, there are, apparently, Rashi explains. There's certain fat, the fat on top is kosher, but once the stomach starts to bend, that fat is mutter. The people in Eretz Yisrael knew how to differentiate the fats, and therefore they ate the fats on top. The people in Bubble said, ah, we don't know where that point is, where it starts curving, starts bending, so we're, we don't need anything. We don't need any fats. So Rabbi Barbarachana came to Bubble, and he was eating the fats from the top, because in Eretz Yisrael it was allowed. He's Israeli. And in Bubble, though, it wasn't allowed. So Ravavira the Saba and Rabbi the son of Rav Huna saw him. 
and when he saw them, he hid what he was eating. Yeah, the kids, the, the kid got stuck with his hands in the cookie jar, right? Also, So they came and snitched Abaye. They said, Rabbi Barbarchana in our place in Bavel is eating these fats. Amar Shavinchu Kikusoi must be. He holds that you guys are like the Kusoim. <laughs> yeah? That, uh, you know, publicly you're not allowed to do it. But uh, if, if it's just because you're Amaratsim, so then privately it would be allowed. Says the Gemara, really? Is that true? That if they have a minig in one place to not allow, and you have a minig otherwise, you're allowed to go against the minhag? I want us to start thinking about Yom Tov Sheni. Start thinking about Israelis who come here for Yom Tov. Okay? Our, our minug, it's a halacha, but also we're nayig, our custom. What do we do? It's Yom Tov. What is Israeli that comes to America allowed to do? For Rabbi Barachana, Leslie Hodetan, does Rabbi Khan not hold the following mission? Our mission has said you take on the stringencies of wherever you took, you got to be machmir either way. That's what we said in our mission. If I come from a place where they're machmir and I go to a city where they're lenient, I, st- I have to be machmir while I'm visiting that city because that's where I'm from. And if I come from a place that's lenient and I'm visiting a place that's machmir, I need to be machmir like the people of that town. I'm not allowed to be lenient. So why did Rabbi Barachana privately eat these fats? Amar Abai says, Hani That's only true when you go from one place in Babel to another place in Babel, one place in Eretzro, to another place in Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because who says that one city in, in Gullus is any better than another city in Gullus? Or who says that Teferia is any better than Sipairi, has any more of a strong minnow? Therefore, you go from one to the other, okay, neither one balances out. However, Inan Babel Eretz Yisrael, Abel Me Eretz Yisrael, Babel Loi. Rabbi Bachana said, listen, I'm an Israeli. I come from Tzion. I'm going out to Gullus to you guys. Doesn't apply. Since you Babylonians, you people from Babel, need to follow the Torah that comes from Eretz Yisrael, therefore I'm allowed to act at least privately like the opinion of Eretz Yisrael. You could even say the same thing true when somebody travels from, from Eretz Yisrael to Babel. Um, also, you got to follow... The, uh, you also need to follow the Minag HaMakam. This is only true when you plan on going back. And he planned on going back. So you see from this Gemara, think about Yom Tosheni. If a person is from Eretz Yisrael and they go down to Babel, but they intend to go back to Eretz Yisrael, then they're allowed to keep Israeli Minhagim in private. However, if they have no intention to go back to Eretz they're here to stay, and now you got to figure out, right? You got to have a whole discussion, which we're not going to have right now. How long is it, how long is a stay? Where you going? How soon do you need to be going back to Eretz So on and so forth. But since Rabbi Khan intended to go back to Eretz he was allowed to hold on to the minhagim of Eretz Yisrael. said to his children, "Bni I get such a gishmak from this Gemara. I'll tell you why. Rabbi Bachana said to his son, you are not allowed to eat the fats from the top of stomach. Even though I'm doing it, you can't when we're in Bava. Do as I say, not as I do. Why? You can't do it whether I'm around or not. Rabbi Bachana held it was okay, right? He was from Eretz Yisrael. 
He tells his boy, Mm-mm, you can't do nothing. Why? Why am I allowed to eat the fats privately in Bavel? And you can't eat the fats at all in Bavel? Listen to this. I personally, with my own eyes, saw the Godel Adar in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Yechanan, eating this fat. So therefore, Kedai Rabbi Yechanan, listen, Mechalav. Rabbi Yechanan, I can rely on him because I, with my own flesh, my own eyeballs, saw him. And it's worthwhile relying on him whether I saw, whether I'm now in front of him, whether I'm not in front of him, I saw him, I'm allowed to eat it. Privately, though. I told you, you didn't see it with your own eyes. So you're two steps away from a Bechon. I told you, you're not allowed to eat it, whether you're in front of me or whether you are not in front of me. Listen to why I think this is so gishmak. My father is a friend of Racha. This hit, I'll tell you why this hit me, because it's teaching me a big lesson about a story. My father is a friend of Racha, told me a story when he was a Bachar in Lakewood. So for Shalashudas, I've said this a couple times, it's worthwhile repeating for this message. For Shalashudas in Yeshiva, the, the cook would open, up, would open up on Shabbos, before Shalashudas, the number 10 tuna cans, the large tuna cans, on Shabbos. You'd go, open up the can, and they would serve tuna. So my father said that he was with Rabarn, and apparently Rebruven Feinstein's Alzheimer's went, he saw the cook opening up the number 10 cans, so he went and snitched her of Maisha. He told her Maisha that in yeshiva, the dome, is it allowed? So Maisha told him, it's a chashash daraisa. Okay. Apparently that's what happened, because my father said he was with Rabarn, and Reuven walked in, and Reuven said, listen, I saw the cook opening up number 10 cans on Shabbos, I asked the tata, I spoke to my father, my father said, it's a chashash daraisa. So Rabarn... Sir so Rav Aaron wrinkled up his nose, which my father said he did whenever he didn't like something. And he, and he says, okay, so next time tell the cook to do it with the shinoi. This way it's not a chashash deraisa. All right, okay. So he wasn't so impressed. He says, all right, do it, okay, fine, it's a shinoi. That, that's what happened. So um, a week or two later, my father went back home to Lower East Side, the Tendlers and Feinsteins are neighbors. And he went to Rav Maisha, and he said, what's the Vasepis? Why is, why is it a chashash daraisa? Why is it a chashash daraisa? So Ramesha told my father, because painters put paint in those cans, and therefore a large number 10 can, if you open it on Shabbos, your mom is making a kli. You're making a vessel, and it's chashash daraisa. So my father asked Ramesha, okay, what about the, the small little three, four ounce tuna cans? Ramesh says, of course that's allowed. Of course that's allowed. Nobody uses those. Everybody throws away. There's no problem on Shabbos. As always the mice that my father told me. That happened with him. Now, if you look in Ramesh's shuvas, he says, open up cans, open up containers, open up bags before Shabbos. I, Menachem Tendler, has a story from his father. The answer is, you know something? Fine, but I didn't see it with my own eyes. My father had that psak from Rav Maisha. Happy my father didn't open up tuna cans anyway because of Rav Maisha, what he put into writing later on. Rav Maisha, he gives every reason in the book why it's allowed. Ultimately, he says it's worthwhile being machmer because people can't differentiate between cans. That's ultimately what he says. Um, but do I have a right to take this Maisha that my father told me 
that he had firsthand and apply it? Or do I look, open up the Grismaisha and follow the halacha that Ramaisha wrote for Gans Kal Yisrael? You see from this Gemara that that's what I'm supposed to do. Right? If my father was there in front of Rabbi Echanan, okay, so I'd have covered for that sock. You, you could do that. But if you're in another, if you're a step away from that, what right do I have to rely on that Misa over something Rabbi Misha put into writing? is a contradiction. says, And he told me, one time, One time, I, I went behind Rabbi Shimon Ben, Rabbi Yaisi Ben Lekunya, into a garden, top of Amadeis, he took, this is the, the Svichei Kruv is after, is when cabbage particularly grows. The Gemara soon is going to tell us cabbage is unique in that when you pluck cabbage, you're not, you don't get rid of the root. A lot of other vegetables, when you pluck it out of the ground, it comes with the root. Cabbage, that's not the way it works. The root remains in the ground, and therefore, even after you remove the cabbage, there's some element of growth that comes around afterwards. Okay? So he took from the garden Svichei Kruv. These aftergrowths of, of uh, cabbage, and he gave it to me, and he said, He says, You can eat this when I'm around. When I'm not around, you should not eat it. Why? I personally saw Shimon eating these. So now, keep in mind, I left out the major detail. This was on Shemitah. Okay? This was during Shemitah. Um, so, I lost the place. I saw Shimon Yechai. So, you who see me, but if I'm not around, then I'm not here for you to rely upon. Says the Gemara, my Rib Shimon, where do you see Rib Shimon allows the aftergrowth? says, that all aftergrowths are usher to eat during the year of Shemitah. Except for cabbage, that's allowed. Why? It's different than all other vegetables. How is different than all other vegetables? Like we explained earlier, the root stays in the ground. No, everything is going to be awesome. And both of them, opinions are following, both of Shimon and the Chomim are following the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, which is as follows. The Pasuk says, you're not allowed to plant, not allowed to seed, and you're not allowed to gather in to buaseinu your grain. Amr Bekiva, Bekiva says, what was his drasha? That you're not allowed to gather in the grain. If it says you can't plant, what are you gathering in? Right, look at the puzzle. You're not allowed to plant, and you're not allowed to gather in the crops. I never planted, so there's no crops to gather. What does it mean? Where are you gathering from? You never planted. You see from here, says Rabbi Akiva, that the aftergrowth of something that was previously planted is going to be Asr, and both Reb Shimon and the Chachamim agree with that premise. So, so where is the whole Machlaikas? Sarvi, the Machlaikas is, we know that all other ones are a problem. But the Rabbanan say, listen, since most vegetables work like that, so granted, Kruv has a different scientific makeup, it grows differently, the root stays in the ground, so on and so forth, but we're not going to allow uh, cabbage, Atu, because of all other vegetables. 
We're not going to make a on Svichei Kruv, Otu, Svichei Da'ama because of other vegetables. Period. End of that discussion, complete discussion. Now we go back to the, now we go back to the mission. Let's introduce this mission. The rest of this Amud will go uh, very smooth uh, with this introduction. Okay? And in order to understand this Gemara, we have to chazer the Mishnah. We have to um, go back and look at the Mishnah. I'll say the Mishnah outside. Okay? But the Mishnah, the beginning of our parak said as follows. After Chatzais Hayyim on Erev Pesach, after midday on Erev Pesach, you're not allowed to work. That's the time of the Korban Pesach. That's a fact. What about on Erev Pesach prior to Chatzos? Does the Isser Malacha start at midday or does it start before midday? So we said in the Mishnah, there's different minhagim. And says the Mishnah, listen closely because here's where, here's where the issue is going to crop up. It says, if you come from a place where they do not work in the morning of Erev Pesach. That's where I come from. And I go to a place where they do work. I should follow my Chumrah and not work. If I come from a place where everybody does work on Erev Pesach, that's my personal minute. And I go to us, I'm now in a city for Pesach where people do not work. I shouldn't work like the people in, their, in that city. Got it? You take on the Chumrah of either the place where you come from or the place where you are. Clear? But here's the problem. Then the Mishnah says, never change from the local Minag. I don't understand. You told me always be Machmir, which means even if I'm not a worker. I come from a place where they don't work. And I go to a place where they do work. You just told me the ratio, don't work, because that's where you come from. Be strict. But you just told me to do like the Romans when I'm in Rome. So now you're telling me I should work, because I'm in a city where they do work. Well, what am I supposed to be doing here? That's what's going to be bothering the Gemara. So here we go. Zaki Gemara, a person goes from one place. It makes sense. If I come from a place where they're lenient, they do work on Erev, on Erev Pesach prior to Chatzais. And I'm now in a place where they don't work. Okay. So I need to be strict. And don't start, and don't, uh, start causing machlaikas. Don't, don't go to work. Don't go to work. But ask the Gemara. What happens if I'm in a place where they're machmir? They don't work. I come from a place where they don't work. And I'm visiting a place where they do work. You told me, oh, follow uh, when, when, in Roman, when in Rome, do like the Romans. So So then he should be working. But but you told me, you should always take on the Chumras. So am I supposed to go to work like the locals? Or should I keep my strict minute, which is not to work? What am I supposed to be doing over here? Omar Abaye Aresha. Abaye gives one answer. He says, you're right. doesn't make any sense. That would be a contradiction. We're just going on the first halacha, which is that if you're going from a place where they do work to a place where they don't work, so then don't work. To not cause them off like this. But on the second halacha, you're right. 
Rabbi Omar, no. Loyal Masefa, there's no question here. You know why? Listen to this. What are you going to say? When in Rome, do like the Romans, because you don't want to cause a machlaikas and be any different. <laughs> My camera, what are you thinking? Haraya Aimer. If I, I come from a place where they don't work. I go to a place where they do work. If I don't work, what are people going to say about me? I'm a lazy bum. They're not going to say, oh, look at the guy. He's trying to be so strict. They're going to say, all right, the guy's lazy. A lot of lazy people standing around going on vacation doing nothing. Melach Asura, Memarami, they're not going to say Melach Asura. Oh, this guy's being so religious. No, Memarami, you know what they'll surely say? Kama Badlani There's a lot of lazy people out there. So therefore, it's not going to cause a machlekas. Amalei Rav Safra, Rav Abba. Rav Safra says to Rav Abba, like in our, our uh, case, our, our case meaning our situation, we know we know how to establish calendars, we know how to establish the new months, and therefore, we should not do malacha on Yom Tiv Sheni anywhere, you should not do malacha on Yom Tiv Sheni anywhere, because you're going to cause them Now we know, that, right, why do we keep Yom Tiv Sheni? Because of a mistake in the calendar. People can make a mistake. When He says, listen, we're Bikim in the calendar, but since we're around other people that don't know the calendar, so we need to keep Yom Tiv Sheni. However, if we're out in the Midbar, and there's nobody else around, we're out in the desert, but Midbar Mai, what's Allah of the Midbar? If you're in a place where nobody's looking, then you're out in the desert, it would be mutter, it would be allowed to do malacha on Yom Tif Sheni. We're going to hold it here for today, and Bez tomorrow, we'll pick up on Dafnun Bez, and we're going to wrap up this Gemara with an interesting discussion about a person who does not, is not careful about doing malach on Yom Tevsheni, because they say, oh, I know better anyway. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, that, that's going to be a, a story that we'll begin with, Bez tomorrow for Daphne Base.